Welcome into another edition of the Huddle Up Podcast in the offseason. Today is Wednesday, February 21st. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher from the Hyundai Studios at the Miller Electric Center in Jacksonville. Bucky Brooks joining us today from Yulman Stadium, New Orleans, Louisiana, ahead of the HBCU Legacy Bowl this week. Good afternoon to you, Bucky. What's up? What's up, man? What's happening, man? We, we put another week in the books. I mean, it's the start of the, the new season. Optimism is abound. We got franchise tags and stuff that's about to pop off and combine on the horizon. I'm excited about it. We so, Bucky, do you fly to right bed. to the combine from, from uh, New Orleans? Oh, no, no, no. I got to go back home. Okay. I'm not going. Like that's that's a lot of days. A lot of days on the road, right there, right. John. Like I'm a grinder, but now I ain't trying to grind like that. That's a lot. He's got to get those flight miles in. I mean, come on. He's got to maintain man. a status. Come on, man. Trying, trying to trying trying to maintain medallion status. So you're just blowing you know? off the early days of the combine, man. Yeah, I mean the early days. I mean the combine is different than it used to be. But I get there. I get plenty. I got plenty of days in. I get full week. We're gonna have a full plate of Bucky next week. We'll get to that Uh, in just a little while. We're gonna have a lot of Bucky Brooks on our programming uh, moving ahead. Uh, Huddle up with Bucky Brooks, brought to you by the Fields Auto Group, Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. Well, there's not a lot happening right now. There's a lot that could happen in the next couple weeks or so, but nothing has happened yet. It is tag time, though. The window opened on Tuesday, and it runs through March 5th to apply the franchise or transition tag to players. Josh Allen, the most likely candidate. Calvin Ridley's name's been thrown around that as well, but uh, nothing as of right now has happened. Um, So uh, no news is no news, Bucky. It's what it is, but it feels like something's going to happen, either a tag or a deal or one of those two. Yeah, one of those things, like the vehicle is open for the team to use the tag if they want to utilize the tag. You would like to think that they're going to try and negotiate, see if they can get something done, because if you get that done, then it gives you the opportunity to use the tag in other ways if you want to use it on Calvin Ridley or whatever. So uh, hopefully they're beginning to have conversations and talks, and maybe that those talks will accelerate quickly when you get a deal done. If not, then it comes down to with Josh Allen, okay, you're going to retain him on the tag, and then you have to negotiate elsewhere. Uh, hopefully we can find a happy medium where the player and the team are both satisfied with a deal. Yeah, I, w- I would expect uh, this gives us sort of a time frame. We'll hear something on Josh Allen, uh, but I would think, by uh, March 5th because you're either going to tag him or they're going to sign him. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't – much like always is the ca- – or much like is often the case with these uh, sorts of negotiations, it- it's not surprising that there's no news. Uh, but I don't know if no news is good news or bad news. I think it's just uh, we can speculate. We assume that they're talking. Uh, we assume that there's a chance to get something worked out, but I don't have a real feel for this one. So that's uh, not great radio or podcasting or whatever, but uh, I don't really have a gut either way, except I'm, except I'm sure Josh Allen will be on the team. Yeah, I mean, and they've said that. That's all you can right. go off of what they've said. I mean, Trent Baalke said that in a press conference. He's not going anywhere. And Josh Allen said that in the locker room after the season that he wants to be here. So at some point, they'll figure out a way to make that happen, right. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they should, and, sure. and they, it feels like that's the case. Uh, by the way, the number, uh, the full numbers on, um, on franchise tag numbers come out after restricted free agency is over. But defensive ends, Bucky, in the ballpark of around $20 million, linebackers at just under $23 million at the moment. So uh, this is kind of where that would land, I suppose. 
Yeah, it land right, right over $20 million mark for Josh Allen. That used to be old quarterback money. Uh, it would put him in the high cotton. When you think about like some of the top pass rushes and stuff, that thing is escalating. It's getting up there when it comes to the number. Uh, I think Aaron Donald right now is the highest paid at the position, well, as a pass rusher uh, at, at, at $30 million. But, yeah, when you talk about $20 million um, and trying to negotiate it and what it could go, I mean, it's going to be a hefty payday. For Josh Allen. He deserves it, though. Coming off the season that he had last year, um, he had to kind of play it on a prove-it uh, standpoint. He proved it. So now you got to figure out a way to pay him. Yeah, and I I uh, don't honestly have a gut over how how that'll play out. I'm uh, hoping that he plays for a long-term deal. But uh, there's been nothing to really indicate that one way or the other. So... I think I think everybody who's who's speculating is uh, speculating based on not much, um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks on that front. Let's take a look a, a little bit of the history of the Jaguars using the franchise tag, and this has been uh, reported and uh, discussed over the years on different websites and things. The latest, John Shipley of Sports Illustrated, this week had the latest breakdown of what the Jags have done historically. With the franchise tag, and they've used it in 10 different instances. And in six of those instances, it was a long-term deal before the following season happened. Three of those players, three of those instances, played under the tag number that year, and then one was tagged and traded. So uh, Brackens in 2000 signed a long-term deal, the defensive end, of course. Donovan Darius was franchise tagged three years in a row, 03-04-05, played under the tag 03-04, signed a long-term deal before the 05 season, then was injured so many times and out. And then 2011, Mercedes Lewis, tight end, signed a long-term deal before that season. Josh Scobie, your your guy, John. My guy. Um, My signed guy. a long-term deal before the season, the kicker. And then in 2020, Yannick Ngakwe was traded to the Vikings before the season, a tag and trade. It was never going to go down in 2020, so he was out of here. Uh, Cam Robinson played on the tag in 2021 and then signed a long-term deal before the 22 season, so he was tagged twice. And then last year, Evan Ingram signed that long-term deal. So in most instances, Bucky, they figure it out. I mean, that's especially from Josh Allen's perspective, um, you know, it's still kind of a one-year prove-it deal. You'd rather have that security long-term, I would guess, at least. Yeah, you you would. You would like to have the long the long term security. Um, and not saying that he can't go out and and uh, put up numbers like he did this year, but it fluctuates. It's hard to put up double digit sack numbers back to back years. And if he had to play on the tag again, that's what he would be kind of tasked with doing to see if he continued to get the kind of money that he wants. Hopefully, uh, the team rewards him just because of not only because of the player that he is, but uh, the person that he is in the locker room, the leadership ability, the way that he's represented the franchise. In a perfect world, when you're a team, you like to draft your guys high, you like them to play at the level that Josh Allen has played, then you want to retain them. And so if you talk about being a draft and develop team, well, when you develop them where they play at a high level, you certainly want to make sure you keep those guys because they should form the nucleus of your squad. Yeah, I've said over and over again, I, I think Josh is a uh... – it's never easy to pay a guy what he's going to be paid. But to me, it's, it, it's a relatively safe signing uh, because even when he's not high sack guy, he's a good player. And uh, mm-hmm. I think his floor is very high, 
when he had seven and a half sacks, uh, everybody's disappointed. And he was mm-hmm. still, I thought, the best defensive player on the team in in, in uh, 2022 that would have been. So mm-hmm. to me, uh, GMs that I've known over the years, when they sign a guy to that long-term deal, they want to put their head on the pillow that night and know he's not going to just completely crap out on him. <laughs> and mm-hmm. sure. and uh, to me, Bucky, uh, uh, f- from a team's point of view, Josh is relatively safe on that front. You can't always control your sack numbers as an outside linebacker, but you can control pressure, effort, good guy, uh, against the run, being stout, all those things. He's a solid overall, overall player to me that makes him uh, pretty safe on this front. Yeah, really safe. Look, man, I, I, I don't think there's any risk involved in signing Josh Allen and keeping him there. I mean, he's a great guy. He's a great leader. We saw what he was able to do with his back up against the wall. And I think what people have to understand, last year he had to play without a, a, a capable backup behind him, meaning Josh Allen logged more snaps, was in on more pass rush attempts than really most number one guys are because normally you have a swing player, another player that can kind of take some of that off of them. But he and Trayvon Walker had to stay out there all the time. And what they did is they got better. And so now that you know that he can be an every down player, he has competitive stamina. He's ready to be a player that can play all four quarters and continue to get better over the course of a long season. Uh, to me, it's just trying to find a number that fits. Yeah, and we don't need today to get into the history of first-round draft picks for this organization that do not return after their rookie deal. It is a long-term issue for the organization, but Josh Allen, if he can get something done, would put that to a stop and, and move it forward. And as from an organizational perspective, you've got to have those cornerstone guys. They haven't been able to get them to a second deal a lot. Well, and you've got a chance uh assign Josh um, – they're not going to sign anybody from the 2020 draft, uh, but sign Josh, get Trevor done. Uh, Trayvon, to me, looks like a guy who, in, in in some capacity, has a very real chance to be a long-term guy. Mm-hmm. Anton Harrison has a chance to be a long-term guy. Uh, you know, you never know with a Trayvon, you know, that's two or three years out. Who knows how numbers shake out, it all took, that stuff. Took a good step in the right direction. Right, yeah. and but – you have a chance to retain and have retainable guys. Uh, Travis Etienne, another first-round pick in that, has worked out. You know, you have a chance to turn that perception that JP's talking about around, and uh, Josh Allen would be the first guy potentially uh, in a really long run. Do all those guys resign? I don't know. Uh, can a good percentage of them resign? It certainly looks like that's the case, which is a good step forward. Yeah, it would be a good step forward if you bring some of those guys back. It's just really important, the message that's sent to the locker room. If you're, you're a team that talks about family and you value homegrown guys, well, you have to show the team that you really value that. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. And when you take a player, you draft a player, that player plays well for you, he should get paid because you want to you want to keep those guys uh, in the fold as your nucleus, form the foundation of a championship program. If you don't do it, it just sends a bad message to the locker room. Uh, I think this is one that has to get done. Hopefully it gets done soon. Yeah, uh, final thought, JP. I think yep. Josh has a chance to be on the wall someday. You know, And that's mm-hmm. still got some going to do. I mean, but uh, two-time Pro Bowler now uh, it will be the all-time sack leader 
if he continues mm-hmm. at this uh, sort of pace. If he plays his career here, it's, it, it's easy to see that. He has, he has a chance to be an all-timer, and uh, he has a chance to be a, an all-timer community guy, an all-timer in a lot of ways. Uh, so, you know, not much more to be said. Live like a VIP with a Daily's Place Blue membership. You can see Dave Matthews Band, the Doobie Brothers, Parker McCollum, New Kids on the Block, and so many more as you enjoy guaranteed seats in the best locations, premium parking, a VIP entrance, and club access. For more, email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. Rod Stewart the other night, by the way, John. Yeah, I missed that. I, I would have liked good. to have seen it. I'm, I'm sure it was good. Yeah, it was pretty good, Bucky. You missed out. I missed out. Next time. Next time. Oh, Rod's getting up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, hey, we're catching up. I love Rod, but he's getting up there. <laughs> we're back in a moment. The offseason continues with the NFL Scouting Combine, a preview after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher in Jacksonville. Bucky Brooks with us today from New Orleans, Louisiana. And lock down the bank with us in 2024. Take advantage of all the perks and benefits of your membership beginning now with all the biggest matchups coming up at the bank this fall. Log on at jaguars.com slash members. Or call 904-633-2000. And by the way, uh, there's a Stadium 5K coming up. The 5K Stadium Challenge presented by Novo Nordisk Saturday, February 24th. That's this Saturday at Everbank Stadium. Register now at jaguars.com slash 5K. And as I told Jeff Lagerman last Thursday night, that's a lot of Ks. Ah, it's only 3.1 miles. That's right. That's just a warm-up for you, John. That's not a lot of Ks. It's not worth it. It's about what I can do easily. You still running? So, yeah, so, well, <laughs> I don't run as much. I Nordic track more now because of my knees. Oh, yeah. But uh, mm. I, do, I do what I try to get to be the equivalent of about uh, three miles, two and a half. So, Pretty good. Uh, mm, that's very good. When I'm in a hotel, I can, uh, you know, there's no Nordic track available. I can I can go three for you. Buck, you're, about it. you're running, Buck, right? No? Yeah. Oh no no no. We 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 put that we put that to bed. We are uh an aspiring yogi and we have become a little power walker. So you can see me with a little fanny pack out there walking around Jack's Beach, just kind of putting in laps with my uh my big old cut cushiony shoes, just logging miles as a walker. That's where we're at now. Okay. Fit right in here, uh, Bucky. You could all you need is like a metal detector. Now you'd be just fine. You could do out on the. Oh, beach. so I can go get some of those gold coins and yeah, stuff like right. that. That's right. Absolutely. You never know. Precious metals that are there laying around on the beach. People lose stuff on the beach all the time. That's right. So you could you could have a new hobby here. Stuff walks away. <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> so hey, moving ahead now, uh, the coaching staff announcement has not happened as of the recording of this podcast. So we're still waiting on that. Um, hearing from the defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, last week, it sounded like they had guys in place. They just haven't announced it yet, and it's a week ago. So uh, it could be any moment. Who knows? Uh, off-season program, of course, begins mid-April. Um, at some point, you've got to yeah. start cutting players if, if you're going to trim some of this salary cap down and have mm-hmm. room for some of these signings. Free agency begins in mid-March, March 13th, Bucky. So – we got we got time. We got time. Okay. Can we talk about? Because I don't think we had a chance to talk about. Nielsen hadn't spoken by the time we were on no. the last pod, right? Did we talk about him? Um, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I was really impressed with what he laid out and his vision for how he thinks the team uh, will play on that side of the ball. I, I like the fact that he was trying to take a more collaborative approach uh, 
with he and all of the defensive coaches. Um, I like how he just talked about playing fast, um, being able to get after it. But to me, it sounded like kind of a, a, a control chaos approach. Um, we talked about not allowing the ball to fly over the top of the defense, but guys have to be able to tackle. Um, you got to be able to do it. And so it sounds without seeing it, but the picture that he kind of painted is one where the corners on the outside are going to be locked up, pressed man-to-man to take away the easy throws, but they're going to do it with sound technique to not give up the deep throws. And then he's going to try and find a way to ratchet up the pressure in a variety of different ways with pressure and with some traditional four-man rushes. So I think this defense, um, if everyone can get on board and the perimeter guys can hold up the corners, meaning uh, I think it has a chance to really be a, a, a fun defense to watch because I know they're going to play fast and I know they're going to be physical. And he has a lot of juice and a lot of energy. Hopefully that will kind of carry on to the players. Do you worry, Bucky, at all about, uh, you know, I don't know what it was. And I know they got rid of the last staff, so it wasn't good enough. Uh, but it was a really good defense at uh, creating turnovers. And when his team was good, it did that very well. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you worry about that translating from scheme to scheme? I mean, I know it's a hard you, – you, turnovers are hard to analyze anyway. But do you worry mm-hmm. about that translating scheme to scheme or not? Or is there anything to that? I mean, there's definitely something to it. I will say um, – what they were trying to do in terms of the turnovers. When you play zone coverage and you, you kind of play off and you have your eyes on the quarterback, right. more vision on the, the quarterback, you, you're more likely to get interceptions because you see the ball come out of the, the hand and you're, you're able to react. When you play more man-to-man, your back is to the defense. Your back is to the quarterback, and so you see the ball late, which means more pass breakups and those things. But honestly, turnovers are an attitude and a mindset. It is about always – pursuing the ball, always poking and prodding and yanking at the ball and just kind of being relentless when it comes to knocking the ball away and taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves when the quarterback overthrows it or you can step in front of an intended receiver. Um, I don't expect that to change. I just think stylistically this defense will change. I, I would anticipate that um, this is the number one thing they're going to try and do is they're going to try and get lined up. So you don't have any egregious errors in terms of just – busting coverages, busting plays because you don't know how to line up. Everyone knows their assignment, and then they can play. If it becomes a defense where it's about the players' talents and not so much about the scheme, well, then you have a chance to be really good because that means everyone's on the same page. And now it's our guys are better than your guys. Let's go get it done. I may have asked this already, Bucky, but um, to me the, a huge key is can they figure Devin Lloyd out? Um, and mm-hmm. – he was good at times last year. I thought he was good early and then struggled late. Uh, you understand? I mean, I feel like you basically want to take Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen and just mm-hmm. say, hey, can you do what you've already been doing and just not mm-hmm. mess that up? But how do you unlock, to use that phrase that I hate, uh, but how do you get Devin Lloyd right? Well, I, look, I, I think – this would be a research project for the new coaching staff to not only look at what Devin Lloyd has done his first two years in Jacksonville, but to go back and take a peek at what he did at Utah and see if there's a way where you can kind of 
meld some of the things that he did in Utah and fold those into the scheme that you that you're going to do. Because as much as we want to talk about the X's and O's, it really comes down to the Jimmys and Joes. And can you put your Jimmys and Joes in a position to make plays? So Devin Lloyd is expected to be one of the blue chip players. The thing that you have to do is ask him to do the things that he does really well. Based on what I saw from him in Utah, he did a really good job of being a C-ball, get-ball player. He was really good when he was freed up to rush the passer, uh, whether from depth or off the edges. I would anticipate him playing more forward than going back um, and then figure out a way to build the rest of the stuff around what he does, what Josh Allen does, and what Trayvon Walker does. So Huddle Up Podcast, that's Bucky Brooks, John Ozier, and J.P. Shadrick. And next week... The NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis will be on the ground Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at Radio Row at the Indiana Convention Center. And the testing begins, I think, late in the week. You know, Bucky, you'll be there at some point. Uh, whenever your private, be there. Whenever, he runs your, the thing. whenever your private jet arrives, it's unbelievable up there. Yeah, I mean, I he mean, is the king of the combine. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to continuing to sit on my throne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke, uh, last we've heard, are scheduled to speak to the media at the podium Tuesday. Uh, the time's probably midday-ish, noon, 12.30, somewhere in that window. That's still a little bit subject to change. But whenever they speak, of course, we'll have it for you live. We'll have all the recaps and things on Jaguars.com. Special guests already being booked for Radio Row Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, including um, a lot of Bucky Brooks. We're going to have uh, Jags AM on Wednesday. We're going to have ha- Happy Hour Radio on Thursday up there at Indy and um, all kind of stuff going on. So, hey, Bucky, I know you're going to be around for the testing and stuff later. We're going to leave before a lot of that happens and not get to see mm-hmm. much of it. Um, a question for the scout and analyst. What, right, posi- what position group are you most excited to see test later in the week in Indy? Okay, so from a personal standpoint, we take off our Jaguars hat. I would say the most exciting position to see Tess, I want to see the wide receivers. It's one of the deepest wide receiver classes that we've seen, not necessarily just at the top, but throughout. The first three rounds, you can find plenty of playmakers, plenty of guys that can make things happen, whether it's traditional polished route runners, whether it's catch-and-run specialists. There are a lot of guys in this class that can get it done. The second most intriguing position for me uh, – would be either cornerback or the offensive tackle class. Both classes at those respective positions are deep. There are starters to be had, whether in the first round or second round. Um, The DBs are really intriguing because if we think about from a Jaguar standpoint, what could happen, what you may need. Uh, Look, I think Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams are entering the last years of their respective deals. So does that mean that you need to start thinking about not only fortifying the depth, but maybe – finding potential replacements uh, because if Trevor Lawrence gets paid, it changes the way that you have to allocate the resources elsewhere. And that means you might have to have more draft and develop guys on the defense side of the ball. So I want to see what the cornerback position looks like. And then offensive line with the offensive tackles, really good group. I mean, a ton of first rounders that are available, but also the interior um, has some guys that are really, really interesting. And I know there's been some conversation about the Jaguars upgrading the inside part of that that offensive line, there are plenty of guys that can play, plenty of guys that are plug-and-play options. So maybe, just maybe, I'll take a long look at those guys. See, I maintain, JP, and Mm. uh, Bucky's argued off-air with me about this a little bit before. I don't think you'll ever see a class again that doesn't have great wide receivers. I think the game game has changed high school, passing camps, Mm -hmm. college, whatever. Mm 
Uh, so I wonder how you even differentiate it anymore. I mean, it just seems like it's always going to be a deep draft. You always have athletic guys from Florida, mm-hmm. Texas, California who can run. And now that they're playing the sport earlier, they're all going to be more developed. They are going to be more developed. And I think, John, is is so interesting because when you look at the wide receiver position, you do not have to take a wide receiver in the first round to get a guy that can be a, a number one type playmaker. I think wow. of Puka Nakua and what he was able to do for the L.A. Rams, he's a fifth-round pick, made plays. We saw it early in the year, week two, we played the Houston Texans. Tank Dale goes bananas. Mm-hmm. He was a third-round pick. Um, and really prior to his injury for the Texans, he and Nico Collins were kind of sharing the marquee as their top playmakers. Uh, there are plenty of guys that can do that. You just have to know exactly what you want, and you have to know how you want to utilize them when you bring them in the building. But if Marvin Harrison's searing you in the face and you have the pick, it's hard not to take the big, long, tall, fast, strong son of a Hall of Famer. It is. <laughs> no, it is hard. Now, the conversation is going to be really interesting with Marvin Harrison Jr., Rome Adunze, and Malik Neighbors. Uh, all of those guys are well-regarded, highly thought of in the scouting community. And there's some that don't necessarily have Marvin Harrison Jr. as the unanimous choice as the number one wide receiver. How well these guys work out, what they look like, how they interview and test will go a long way determining if Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the pick when it comes down to take the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, What would be ironic is if the Jaguars had a chance to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and he Mm. didn't talk to me for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be two for two. I mean, mean, you know, I would, I, would, I would probably say that if he somehow found his way to Jacksonville, I'm sure senior will probably say, hey, guys, look, I want you to be very friendly with all the personnel, but that guy over there, yeah. that OSHA guy, we're going to steer clear of him. No, your, your words to him are no It's problem. funny. I got along great with Marvin. He, he was all, I, I always enjoyed being around Marvin. He just did not talk to anybody, man. I mean, he did not do the media, and I think I did. I think I covered him 10 years. And I think I talked to him for the record like three times, wow. four. I mean, yeah. just it's not his thing. Uh, I may be underestimating that, but it wasn't his thing. So, but from, my impression is Marvin Harrison Jr. is much more comfortable with me. And Marvin just didn't like doing it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily that he had beefs with the media, et cetera, et cetera. He just wasn't comfortable with it and didn't like doing it, and wasn't and took the strategy of purposely being really bad at it when he talked. So nobody really wanted to talk to him anyway because he wouldn't say anything. So, uh, But a, a deserved Hall of Famer, and his kid's great. Uh, but I know Bucky probably had a pair of Louis Vuitton cleats, right, when you played. Uh, no, that's a little too flashy for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a little too, little too flashy for me. I like a little more understated style. But okay. I, I can get it. You know, I mean, I can, I can get behind Margaret Harrison Jr. doing it because sometimes, man, when you got a flamboyant game, you want to make sure that your clothes match up. It wants to be appropriate. Well, um, it, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Got a match up, man. Come on, <laughs> man. Like, remarkable story. Wide, yeah, yeah, when you play out wide, you, look, you get, it's about commanding attention. You're so far from the ball, you don't touch the ball all the time. You want to be noticed. You want to be noticed for something, and that's one way to do it. The footwear, the Louis Vuitton on the uh, cleats, that was uh, a very impressive look. I think he also had to watch, too. I think he was one of those guys that he was wearing, wearing a, a watch, watch during the game. Like the, one of the yeah, games, like an Apple Watch get, or something. I mean, you got to know what time it is. You got to be able to get on and off the field. We got things to do after the game, JP. You know who things also noticed the Louis Vuitton yeah. cleats? The Michigan defense noticed it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, they did. They talked about it. They talked about it. you can't be tough. We got that Louis, that Louis Vuitton stuff walking around. That's right. <laughs> Punched him in the face. I wonder if he's yeah. the uh, for for the son of a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Will he be the highest drafted player? Mm. Um, Long, maybe Howie's kid. How high was he? Drafted? Oh wait, wait, no, that's no, right. No, no. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, is Art is Archie Man in the Hall of Fame? No, or no. But Long, okay. Long's probably it. That's just off. Yeah, because yeah, Chris head. Long, because Chris Long was two overall. Yeah. So yeah, but I think it. I think it's remarkable. That's got to be hard. I mean, a lot of pressure coming up, and you can say you're blessed with genes, but you still got to work to get there. And so, it's a remarkable thing to be able to do. So anyway, that's me. Yeah. Um, all right. So next week, combine, Indy, um, Bucky. We will see you every single day in Indy. Can't wait. Get for that. ready. I can't wait, man. I'm looking forward to it. I hope John, John, oh, I want you to take your positive pills. We're going to be all positivity when we're on the show. I don't need pills to be positive. Because, What's in a positive yeah. pill? I don't even want to know. Scotch. I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Just, I, I just want to take some positive pills. The league calendar is about to flip. It's a new year. We can put the past behind. Whatever last year was, it's gone. Our eyes are forward. We're talking about Super Bowl 59. I'm going to use that line a lot in all these interviews we have to do. Positive feel? No, no, the eyes are forward. Eyes We're are not forward. looking back. Yeah, eyes are forward. No looking back. Bucky, we'll see you next week. All right, it should be fun. Guys. Bucky Brooks in New Orleans. John Osier, J.P. Shadrick. Our thanks to David Cho and Joe Fortunato. And thanks to you for listening to the Huddle Up Podcast.